Hello, this is Angelica Yingst, and you're listening to Centered, Grounded Conversations About the Metaphysical. Welcome to your tarot and earth medicine reading for February 2023. My name is Angelica Yingst, and you're listening to Centered. And are you guys still processing 2022? I mean, I know we're in month two, but are you still processing? Because, girl, I am. It has been a minute, and it's been hard, and it's probably hard in different ways for all of us. So it's not like we could commiserate because it was all hard in the same way. But, y'all, we did it. We got through. We made it through January, and March is going to feel even a little bit lighter, I think. But, um we processed like two months of work in January. Uh, maybe it feels like a year for all of the intensity that we had, but we made it through. Um, we made it through eclipses, retrogrades, and all the things. And, you know, the phrase, this too shall pass, it always does pass. And one of the things that happens in recovery is when you say, oh, things are awesome in my life, some old timer always says this too shall pass kid you know because we go through all these ups and downs and cycles and and all of the things we go through but at this point we're in february we are starting a month without anything in retrograde this is a time where we can finally breathe and process and rest so take some time off Nothing's gonna, no planetary blowups, no retrogrades. It's not like everything is fixed, like there's no more human suffering and stuff, but February is a moment. It's a moment of recovery. We get to reboot. We get to check in and say, like, are we okay? Like, did we get through this and what? One of the things we're looking at are the ways in which Mercury, Mars, and Uranus had their way with us in the last few months. So remember, Mars went retrograde October 30th, and it came out in January. So we're kind of looking at, you know, what's going on during that time. Like, what issues came up for you? If you have a journal, it's a great time to, like, look back at your journal and sort of make that thread that goes through everything. Uh, just kind of pull it through and, and see what the final stitch looks like. We are currently in an Aquarius sun season, and so it's very different than Capricorn season, which is very work-focused. Girl, don't I know it. Aquarius season is about freedom, knowledge. As a fixed air sign, Aquarius asks us to have some things that we know about ourselves and don't ever change. So what are those things are? What are what those things are? What are those things? Like, who are we and how do we express ourselves? Aquarius has a reputation for being a little kooky. And it isn't just that. They just, it's not that they're kooky. It's that they don't compromise who they are. I think their motto is, know thyself and do not compromise, bitch. <laughs> right? Aquarius asks us to look at how we conform and adapt and shapeshift based on our surroundings because Aquarius while they sometimes struggle with this as like a life path thing, generally they become uncompromising about who they are. And so while they might look kooky or act kooky, they're 
the most authentic self at that time. They don't try to make you comfortable by not being themselves, right? Like, I'm going to be you so you don't feel uncomfortable with me. No, that's not Aquarius thing. That's a you thing. Okay, so if you're a shapeshifter, if you're someone who chameleonizes themselves based on their surroundings and who they're hanging out with, Aquarius season gives us a way to look at who are we authentically. We get to meet our authentic self in meditation, in journey work, in all that work, and just look at like, are they? You know, that's a great journey to do when you meet your authentic self. And like, what are they wearing? You know, are they wearing boas and high heels? And, you know, are they dressed in drag? You know, are they dressed in like corporate drag? Or are they dressed in, you know, fun drag? Or are they goss or emos or punk rockers? Or are they just a simple braid and some jeans and a t-shirt? So we get to use the primary tools of Aquarius season, which tend to be structure and form, and then hone those down to look at who are we. Aquarius has two planets that rules it. So Aquarius is ruled by Uranus and Saturn. So Capricorn's ruled by Saturn, all right? And Saturn actually is the planet of systems and structure. So because Aquarius has both planets, this actually changes the tenor and quality of, of Saturn and what Aquarius actually rules. So while Capricorn is looking at the rules and how to follow them and structure and how to apply those things, Aquarius looks at structure and then looks at how to destabilize it and rebuild it. So for those in my membership group, I apologize because I talked about this a lot in the full moon reading for January, but I, I'm, and I'm going to repeat myself a little bit, but Saturn has actually been in Aquarius since 2020, which is a home planet for it. And so, you know, when it, it went into Aquarius was March, 2020, anything happened in March, 2020? Oh, right. <laughs> so listen to this. Okay, this is really interesting. Saturn has resided in its home signs since 2017. So from 2017 to 2020, Saturn was in Capricorn. And then it moved into Aquarius March 2020. So we've been experiencing Saturn at its peak levels of restraint and isolation. Um. We've been experiencing Saturn at its peak levels of constraint and isolation. So within earthy Capricorn, Saturn's desire to create everlasting systems and structures finds like a solid ground. Okay. So it's like, okay, let's build some structures and systems. Let's get really, you know, into that. But in Aquarius... The planet's more concerned with shaping ideologies, social systems. So here Saturn breathes a little bit. And what it does is it, it turns kind of punk rock. All right. So Uranus is the one that kind of shakes stuff up. So Uranus actually breaks structures and rules. And it's a planet of upheaval. So you have structured Saturn 
and punk as fuck Uranus, and they kind of move within Aquarius to become a revolutionary. Okay, so what did we start to see in 2020? Well, we saw Black Lives Matters protests, protests against police brutality. We see all kinds of protests. Look at look at around the world in the last three years, not just in the U.S. I'm thinking Iran. I'm thinking China. I'm thinking so many places where there are actually people trying to change the structures that have created isolation and constraint that Capricorn loves, right? So while we're in Aquarius, we do that with our own internal structures and patterns, okay? So when you're looking at what's been coming up, look at what did you establish from 2017 to 2020, okay? That's the structure that we were trying to fit ourselves into. Now we move into 2020 to 2023. Notice what came up to, for you. What did you want to revolt against? What have you changed? What has challenged you? Where were your structures not working any longer and what foundation needed to be shaken up? I mean, for me, I started working in a very public role in 2017 and my job just ended. Literally, when we moved into Aquarius season, which is very interesting to think about. What about you? Look at it in your life. And I'm telling you about my life because maybe it's like applied or an example that you can relate to. So here's what to do during Aquarius season. Write about identity. Who are you? What about you has been suppressed and what has been hidden from yourself? And what makes you not authentically you, okay? And what structures and patterns are you ready to release because of that? This is a great time to start new habits, to introduce self-care. That's vital. This promises to be an Aquarius season that, you, you know, can be life-changing. It can be moving into authenticity in a way that maybe you haven't before. Because this, again... Um, Saturn will not be in Aquarius for another 30 years. So since December 2020, Saturn's put us through this cultural review and it's both had a lot of progress and backlash, which always comes together, okay? We make progress, we get backlash, okay? So before Saturn heads to Pisces in March, we need to think about... Uh, our structural crises that we're having everywhere, you know, not just, you know, we obviously we can look at it within ourselves and that's going to be really important for our own personal work. And then we can look at it on, you know, a global or societal level. You know, we're looking at abortion access, Supreme Court stuff, Twitter meltdown. I mean, a lot of stuff comes up. So Saturn and Pisces will shift the focus from a more like, existential discourse or primal discourse and then moving into you know something more about how we reckon with this new brave new world we live in where we talk about technology we talk about you know kind of a breakdown of knowing how to communicate with each other which is a big deal 
Okay, so at the end of this Aquarius season, hopefully we'll have some insight on getting along with others and how we think about ourselves. So we are in a really nice month. This is a creative month, a peaceful month. Uh, Pisces is going to bring a lot of peace and, and emotional stability, even though Pisces doesn't have that reputation. But all of our planets are out of retrograde and we can really start to like embrace ourselves. So what's coming up this month? The astrology, the lunation calendar kicks off with a, a full moon in Leo on the 5th of February, which is basically going to bring all the dramas, our inner feelings around ego and reputation and recognition. The full moon will be a culmination point as well for intentions that you set at the new moon in Leo on July 28, 2022. So you can look back if you keep journals. Again, I do. I find it very, very helpful because it helps me do this kind of work. Oh, this full moon is going to connect with the new moon six months earlier, and we can kind of see what's happening. Um, because the full moon is also squaring off with Uranus, which we just talked about being a really rebellious punk rock um, planet, uh, our emotions could be running high, our impulsivity could be running high. Um, so that just something to watch for. Now, I don't usually talk about like which planets are moving into which signs too much. Sometimes I do, but uh, on the 11th, um, Mercury is going to go into Aquarius from Capricorn. And I think that's going to be very helpful because it's a quirky, creative sign, Aquarius. It thinks differently. It, 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 it out of the box thinks, not to use too many business cliches, but um, it's a great time for creating new projects and uh, new businesses and doing all that work. Now, the sun will move into Pisces on the 18th, and then the new moon will be on the 20th in Pisces. And this is a uh, time to get loose. <laughs> Very watery. So this is all about flow, baby. Go with the flow. This is about dreaming and psychic work and creativity and we get to be in that awesome Piscean uh, sea of psychic and like kind of the collective consciousness. Um, it's going to be real cool, dude. I mean, I would say this is like the uh, hippie new moon. Uh, just go with it. So we have imagination, inspiration, because we're like both the sun and the moon are going to be out of Saturn's um, realm. I think you'll feel a sense of just kind of like being easy. Life is just a little bit easier. And it really is a good time to talk about some of that woo-woo stuff, like your vibration and your energy and how to protect it and how to wield it and how to hone it and how to structure it um, and just like how to go with the flow. Um, it also, you know, is something where we go like, oh my gosh, that person really drains me. Um, and then we step away. Um, so protect your vibration and protect your energy. Um, this is a really good time to get some energy work done, some chakra balancings or Reiki or um, crystals or sound baths or anything that's going to help stabilize your vibration is going to be great during February, particularly around that new moon energy. Now, the tarot of the month is going to be really fun. Um, actually it's great. I pulled temperance and temperance is the 14th trump of the major arcana and temperance shows 
Archangel Michael. Um, he's got one toe in the water and it's very springy. There's irises everywhere and um, the sun's just coming up and he's uh, kind of pouring uh, cups with water between them. Um, and so this card emerges after death, but before the devil. And so why am I bringing that up? Because it is in this part of the major arcana that is a challenging spiritual time. And she ends up being, and I mean temperance, the virtue, the medieval virtue of temperance is peace and balance and the middle way. Okay. She comes after the fear and clinging to life of the death card. Okay. Think about that. Think of the attachment we have to our life, right? Like sometimes have you ever watched anybody dying? And you know, one thing was my dad was an old sailor. He was a Navy guy. He was fought in Vietnam. And he told me from a very young age that he wanted to die. He always wanted to die. But at the end of his life, he was totally incapacitated. He had um, died of pneumonia from inhalation, inhaling food, because he had MS. He had trouble swallowing. And that was always a fear of mine. I always kind of knew in my heart that's how he would die. But the hospice people came in, and I just sat, my sister and I sat next to him for hours, days, holding his hand. And so hospice would come in and clergy would come in. And um, one of those people, I don't even remember who at this point, said, it's always the old soldiers who'll never let go of life. And uh, I thought about that a lot, you know, like we are so clinging to this form, this, this meat suit, as my friend Sharon calls it, you know, that it's it's like the letting go and and being part of all can be really a, a process. So this card shows Archangel Michael pouring water from cup to cup and like an impossible angle. So Michael is calmly doing the impossible, balancing our emotions between two difficult places, death and the devil. It's interesting this year I've kind of read dedicated my practice um, and I'm studying Buddhism um, like I did when I was a teenager and kind of revisiting a lot of thoughts and ideas that really inspired my spiritual journey for my whole life. And at any rate, um, one of the things about Buddhism is, you know, this idea that whether we're excited about something or really defeated by something. We have the same emotional response because we don't have the same attachment that we would, you know, like whether it, it, it's good or bad, you know, it, it's that old Buddhist story of the farmer whose horse runs off and, you know, the Neighbors are like, oh, what bad luck. Your horse ran off. He goes, eh, I guess we'll see. He doesn't react. He doesn't get all fired up by this. He's just like, we'll see. 
And then the next day, the horse comes back with another horse. <laughs> He's like, everybody says, oh, my goodness, what great luck. He said, oh, we'll see. And he doesn't react, not, not positive or negative, just we'll see. And the next day, his son is trying to break the horse and breaks his own leg. Oh, what terrible luck you have. Again, no reaction. We'll see. And then the next day, the army comes to recruit all the healthy young men. And his son has a broken leg. Can't go to war. Everybody's like, oh, what good luck you have. He said, we'll see. You know, and, and so it goes. And it can go on and on and on. And I'm sure you can look at that in your life and see the same thing. We'll see. You can only really know if something's good luck or bad luck or good or bad until way off in the distance, you know? So why react now? We'll see. We'll see. And so temperance is our reminder of the we'll see. <laughs> it's the reprieve. It's the moment, you know, of feeling held by Mother Earth, held by Father Sky, held by the angels. So I think, you know, in this middle of very difficult cards of the major arcana, this is a, almost like a temporary enlightenment, a sense of holiness amidst fear. When we are stubborn and we're tempted, this is the calm, peaceful, silent moment where God gets to come in or spirit gets to come in and whisper the middle way to us. You know, when I moved to Pennsylvania after many years of living in New Jersey, um, I had finally, finally felt like I found my forever home. I was close to my mom. I loved, like, this is very similar to where I grew up and just so, so beautiful. And I just found out I was pregnant with Zachary and it was a Monday morning and we had just moved into the house that I live in now. And I had this feeling of contentedness and spiritual fulfillment and I thought, I'm at peace. I don't know if I've ever been happier than right at this moment. And I still had that feeling the next day. But throughout the day, I started thinking about one person who I had tension with, who just despised me. And so in my very peaceful, blissful state, I sent her an email to clear the air. Thursday, <laughs> I received possibly the most venomous email I've ever received back. And I think deep in my subconscious, I knew she would do that. So why did I sabotage my own happy by inviting chaos in? It's something I've wrestled with for a long time. Why do we sabotage our happy? by inviting chaos in. And when we think about self-sabotage, we really think about, do I feel like I deserve this feeling of peace, of no drama? The thing in the rub with temperance is, how do you deal with peace? 
Are you looking to stir up drama and chaos? How are you sabotaging your own enlightenment with an attachment of some kind? Again, you know, when we look at Buddhism and we think about Buddhism, we think about the first noble truth is suffering. The, the second noble truth tells us how, you know, we suffer and how we suffer is our attachment to things. And, you know, as, as someone who's in recovery, I often think, oh, well, that's addiction, you know? Everybody has addiction, but do we? I think we do. I think we have attachments to being liked. I think we have attachments to being right. I think we have attachments to all kinds of things. So, you know, when we think about what is my attachment, we think about what is, how do I sabotage my own peace and my own happiness? So temperance asks you to stay stay in calm, stay in peace. You could have a beautiful, peaceful, connected day, but there will always be temptations to sabotage your own happy. And often we're so used to chaos that when everything's peaceful, we feel weird, right? We feel like, uh, is so-and-so mad at me? Do I have to go somewhere? <laughs> is the house clean enough? Did I do this? Did I do that? You know, we, we start sabotaging our own happy. So just notice, you know, one of the things that like when I pull cards from the group and I, I kind of, um, talk about it, I talk about things to do. And so one of the things to do is think about the four agreements. This is a very good way to kind of detach from attachments, um, be impeccable with your word. Okay. And what does that mean? It just means like, do what you're going to say and say what you're going to do. Like if you're not willing to commit to something, don't say you're going to do it. And I have trouble with that because I always have good intentions, but like when it comes down to it, do I want to go and do this thing on my day off? In, in a perfect world, yes, but when you're burnt out, no. So maybe do not commit to stuff if you're not sure how you're going to feel, right? Just be impeccable around that. Don't take anything personally because everyone's got their own stuff. So one of the things I noticed today is a pretty peaceful day for me. One of the things I notice is myself going, I wonder if so-and-so is mad at me. Uh, nothing. They did nothing to make me think they're mad at me. Nothing. In fact, we last time we talked, it was, I love you, I love you too. Everything's fine. So, why? <laughs> Don't make assumptions is number three. Don't make assumptions. And then just always do your best. So, you know, I think one of the things that's really important for us when we work with temperance is examining and thinking about how we deal with peace. And I know that sounds like work, and I'm sorry. I, I, am, I am a worker, but 
the truth is that this doesn't have to be a big to-do. If you notice yourself uh, in a peaceful place to say, okay, today I'm going to notice what things arise for me when I'm in a peaceful place. What gets, what's on my mind? What's my, you know, brain doing? And then as it's moving through, just noticing, maybe so-and-so is mad at me. You know what, Angie? That's a assumption. Uh, that's you taking like their life personally, which is not about you. <laughs> just do your best. Let it go. Maybe just let it be. I mean, I've said that before to you guys because I think it's really important. Let it be. Let it be. So temperance this month is that reprieve in the middle of some chaos, some big work. But what we're going to be examining this month is peace and calm. And thinking about that moment where you go, I've never been happier than right now. And I'm just going to keep it that way. <laughs> I'm not inviting any chaos uh, makers in. So let's talk about uh, the earth medicine that I pulled this month. So I've been working with this really, really, really cool deck that I love called Dirt Gems. And it is about plant medicine. And I was so excited to get this deck. It was one of those uh, Instagram ads. <laughs> My kids make fun of me all the time because I'm always buying Instagram ads and being like, God dang it. It's just nothing like it looked on the picture, you know, but this one was, it really is good. And the medicine I pulled, the plant medicine I pulled is black walnut and black walnut is, um, a tree, but the nuts itself can be used as dye. You can eat it. You can, there's so many things. And one of the things that, uh, this book is really great at is giving you kind of an idea of the spiritual work that you do with it. And black walnut is what they create the connection with, is with the elders, the crones, the ancestors, the wise ones. They basically are suggesting that you use black walnut as a protection ally. And one of the things they, they talk about is how black walnut is allelopathic. Allelopathic plants create a chemical, makes other plants stay away like they can't grow well with those chemicals in the soil and so it is a protection ally so basically walnut's an example of how to surround yourself with only things that you want to that will help you grow basically there is a sense that black walnut is works with the self to understand both who you are your your truth your authenticity and then on top of it, how others impact you and how you impact others and how that expectations of others impact our own sense of self. Again, we're talking about that like shape-shifting thing, like do you change who you are when you're around certain people and why? That's not a bad thing. We all have to do that, right? When we're at work, we're not dropping the F-bomb every other, well, I do, but when you're at work, you generally do not drop the F-bomb every other word and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Why? Because we understand the surroundings we're in. But, and this is a big but, um, 
when you're doing that in the privacy of your own home, you know, curating your Instagram to appear like someone else's or um, how you present yourself to yourself, that's when it becomes problematic. And black walnut does help. Different ways that you can use black walnut, of course, it's a food. You can use uh, it as a medicine, as a tincture, as an ally. It's used in the wood, like you can use the wood of black walnut. And you can use it as a dye for other things like papers and fabrics, things like that. So um, those are some ways to use your plant medicine this month. Okay. And now we're going to talk about our crystal allies. So, you know, it's interesting because I do lots of readings for people and at the new year, I do a lot of new year readings. And I feel like these three came for one of my new year's readings. And honestly, when I do readings, I forget them. So it's not, you know, I don't usually remember everything, but um, here we go. So road night is the first one. So road night, we have had so much last year where I think road night came up like over and over again, but road night's a wonderful ally for the path of love and for intimacy and understanding the self learning about your own capacity to give and receive love. And so it's a stone of power. It's um, good to empower your path of love. It also works with this pink ray of divine healing and it heals the heart chakra in the in physical ailments, but it also works with a lot of the organs of the solar plexus and sacral chakra. So it has a wonderful connection to like the liver and the kidneys and things like that. So it also is very grounding. There sometimes is black veining in road night. That is very grounding. It helps strengthen the heart and work on the earth plane with grounding. Now, the next ally is selenite. So true blue selenite is actually transparent and it forms like in plates. Um, so it has a lot of sheets kind of like that form together. It's smooth. It's not fibrous or pearly looking. So selenite is sold most often as what is actually satin spar. Satin spar is... Um, basically they're the same exact, um, crystal. They're both gypsum, but satin spar is fibrous and, um, selenite is not. So you can, but here's the, here's the cool thing. You can use them exactly the same. <laughs> um, satin spar is not transparent. It's opaque with a pearly luminous finish. And so, um, you can use that satin spar as selenite. They both are interchangeable. Okay. So, um, they're both soft, meaning they have a most hardness, I think of 2.5. So they're very friable. Don't put them in water. They're going to break. Sometimes they shed, especially the real selenite will like come off in sheets. Um, so, what do we use it for? Well, I use it to cleanse my orc field. Um, I run selenite through my field. I usually try to buy like a wand and then you just run it down and you can disconnect cords. You can clear the energy field. You can um, detox. It's used for spiritual um, activation. It's used for the transpersonal chakras, the third eye, the crown. 
Um, you can commune with the higher self, spirit guides, angels. It's one of our premier stones that we work with when someone has cancer. It is used for so many amazing things. Um, it really is such a wonderful ally. And if I had to pick like a top five, selenite would be in it because it is such a wonderful ally for healers. Um, and for all people, honestly. Um, but I use it a lot on my clients. So the last crystal for this month is Auralite 23. Auralite 23 is known as red cap amethyst or amethyst cacoxinite. Um, it's a very interesting blend of crystals. And um, so there's basically one place where you can find Auralite 23. And yes, Auralite 23 is a trademark name. And so what can I tell you? You can find different names for this. One of the things about amethyst is amethyst is so plentiful on the earth and it's mixed with so many different things that you'll probably see an amethyst that's red capped or has, and that means it has hematite or cacoxinite in it, um, that you can work with anything like that. But the name is derived from the fact that it has 23 different minerals that are usually contained within the chemical composition. So amethyst is its base. It looks like amethyst, um, but it has these 23 different minerals. And not every single crystal has all 23, but most do. Um, and again, it's like in this one place in Canada where you can find it and it's been trademarked, anything coming from there. Now, Super 7 is also an amethyst-based stone that has seven different stones in it, and a lot of them are the same. So you can also use Super 7. Um, and Super 7 is called either Super 7 or Melody Stone. Again, it's an amethyst cacoxinite mix. Now with the Super 7, you'll get amethyst, cacoxinite, gothite, lepidocrosite, uh, rutile, just regular quartz, smoky quartz. Those are kind of always going to end up in the Super 7. Um, most of them all contain hematite. Um, so Auralite 23, though, like sometimes it comes in a, um, a wand, and those can be great, too, for cleaning your aura. It stimulates the crown in the third eye. It accelerates spiritual evolution and transformation. It is just one of those woo-woo amazing stones that also has a really familiar energy because it has an amethyst base. So it stimulates the crown and the third eye and increases psychic ability, sensitivity. It increases lucid dreaming, connection to angels and spirit guides and the higher self. It clears the emotional body. It releases energetic blocks. It's just an excellent, excellent ally for releasing negative emotions and for generally working for ascension and, and higher vibration. So this is a great one to be working with when, when I talked about, Hey, this is a great time to look at your vibration. Yeah, this is a great stone for that. So it's cool that we pulled it. Um, it's a wonderful aid along the path of spiritual understanding, growth, evolution, and healing. So great stone. Now our animal guy that came forward is deer and Deer is one that we worked with last year, and I'm going to actually uh, give you the same um, journey if you're interested for my um, membership group, because it is another journey to the upper world. 
um, when deer comes, um, it is basically the guide of walking the way of beauty. Um, we work with instinct, survival, peace, and gentleness. So you can see this very loving, peaceful energy coming forward. Deer's medicine really does include gentleness in both word, thought, and touch. And our ability to listen and to see um, beyond the realm of what's right in front of us. So deer has lived very close to humans for at least 35,000 years because we have Paleolithic cave paintings that show deer. And deer is a foraging animal. It exists with a second stomach that ferments food for easier digestion. Um, and I live in Pennsylvania, which has a lot of deer. So you learn quickly that the deer love the tender shoots of newly planted trees and crops. And so they uh, really do look for the gentleness and the beauty in the world, and they see it really well. They are a symbol of abundance um, because they provide food, clothing, tools, utensils, leathers. Um, both the native North American and the Celtic hunters honored deer before the hunt with sacred offerings and prayers of gratitude and promising not to take more than was essential for survival. So uh, deer's medicine is specifically from being prey. Deer have incredibly heightened senses. They see extremely well. Um, and so they can hear beyond uh, the normal realm of what you would think. So they're intuitive. They come for those who have extrasensory perception, who are clairvoyant, who have gifts that they haven't quite uh, embraced. So they can see between the shadows, dear, and they detect subtle movement. And that's just a wonderful guide to be working with during this uh, interesting time. So thank you so much for following along with the medicine. If you're part of my membership group, again, you'll be getting um, this deer journey and you will also be getting a full moon and new moon reading and part be part of my membership group. And if you're interested in all that, please check out my website, angieyinkst.com. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Centered with me, Angie Yinkst. If you'd like to send me a question or comment about this show or any shows, you can send them to Angie at themoonandstone.com.